Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome everyone to the Janice Dean Podcast. My guests today are incredible people. We met a few years ago as both of our families were dealing with the fallout from a tremendous tragedy. Many of you already know what happened to my in-laws in the spring of 2020. My husband, Sean, lost both of his parents who died from COVID. They contracted in their separate elder care facilities. We weren't able to see them before they died. There were no wakes or funerals. They died alone because we were prohibited from visiting them. And then after their deaths, we found out about Andrew Cuomo's March 25th order, which to us was a death sentence. Over 9,000 COVID-positive patients were admitted into nursing homes across the state, even though the facilities had no way to care for all of these elderly people. Andrew Cuomo and his administration knew the danger even before the mandate was put in place, stating that the illness would spread like fire through dry grass. He said that. In May of 2020, I began speaking out about the reckless and deadly decision, and I have not stopped. Through advocacy, I met Peter and Daniel Arbini, two brothers that lost their father, Norman, to COVID he contracted in his Brooklyn nursing home. We've become family since then, and I wanted to bring them in to talk about the last few years and what it's been like. I asked my sister-in-law, Donna, to join us. Here's my conversation with Donna Johnson, Peter, and Daniel Arbini. Thank you for being here, Donna and Peter and Dan. Thank you for having us. Of course. Um, you know, I want to start off by saying I'm going to try not to get teary, but through grief, we all met each other. Yes. And I feel like, you know, Donna is my sister-in-law, so she's already blood. But the Arbini family, uh, you guys are part of mine now. And so I'm grateful for the tragedy that we all went through together because look at the sunshine that came out of tragedy yes yes and i love your, you. your smile and your family been, <laughs> very good way of putting it <laughs> we met on the terrible circumstances but uh i'm i'm glad we met yeah so i just want to have a discussion um you know Oh my goodness, it'll be a year since the governor resigned in disgrace. disgrace. And that's really incredible when you look back on that. Uh, Daniel, tell me how you feel. It's it's still emotional. It still draws all these emotions from deep because it was so tragic what happened and it, and it was it just didn't have to happen. And you know, even today's news and what's happening and, and what we're learning about what the governor actually did, it, it just, again, it's just hurtful that we have to keep fighting to get our own government to protect us mm. and make sure it doesn't happen again. And and it, it's, I'm glad he resigned. It's better for the state, but the state has continued in his footsteps so there's no change right there's no accountability still to this day correct peter 
Tell me what you do, first of all, as a profession. I own a small air conditioning company. Um, I have about 25 employees. I've been an entrepreneur, a small business owner, um, and I took up this fight against Governor Cuomo uh, because my whole mantra is right is right, wrong is wrong, regardless of what party you're from. Um, and I knew in the summer of 2020 that the governor was lying when they were releasing the death toll numbers of nursing homes after our nursing home, uh, who we support, um, announced 55 deaths. And then our father died uh, soon after that. Um, and then when the numbers came out, when you have 600 nursing homes and one of them says they had 55 deaths and the governor says there was only 3,000 deaths, the math never added up. So I knew he was lying. Um, and I father passed. It was very emotional. It was the hardest time. It was blackness. We took our father home. We were one of the fortunate families. When we took him home, he lived 13 days in his house that he grew up in for 89 years. And we all told him, the four of our siblings, said, Dad, if you have an emergency, we're not calling 911. You're going to live or die. But we are not going to call 911 because it was the first time in America that if you wanted to live, you did not go to the hospital. Hmm. Because once he went to the hospital, we would have lost him. No communication. They locked us out. There was no FaceTime back in March or April. Um, so he had a couple of panic attacks where he wanted us to call 911. And my brother and my sister calmed him down and said we weren't going to do it. But it's, it, was, it was unimaginable to tell him that we couldn't call 911. Mm -hmm. Then there was no, he passed, there was no burial, there was no funeral, there was no family gatherings. Um, there was no celebration of him as a person. Uh, so I walked around for the summer as COVID, just with my head down, knowing the government lied. And then in August, somebody said to me, did you hear the governor's coming out with a book? I said, he's coming out with a book. If he's coming out with a book, he never apologized for lying or to the pain the family's had. I said, I'm going to get a coffin. I'm going to put it in front of the nursing home. I'm going to fill it with 6,500 pages of the front cover of the book because he says the debt toll is 6,500, and he's lying. And from that moment on, I spent two months planning the mock funeral for Governor Cuomo's leadership and his integrity. It was ahead of its time. Janice, we met. We bonded. You came. You were brave. Um, Brad Lander, uh, then the city councilman, he came. He apologized to the families. He said that we need a an investigation in October of 2020. Um, but it became an iconic movement. We wanted to, I believe that we all can hold our elected officials accountable. You just have to have the wherewithal, the right movement, the passion, and we got things accomplished. And the right friends, us. Mm. Donna, how do you, I mean, listen, you and I are close. I feel like every rally I've been to, you know, Sean, my husband, your brother, he's somebody who's pretty quiet, you know, with his grieving. He's a quiet person. He doesn't like to be in the spotlight. I still wonder why he married me. <laughs> 
<laughs> but no, listen, we're we're such a good pair together. I think it, we're like the yes. yin and yang, right? Absolutely. But you were my rock. You were the one standing next to me, you know, when we went to these rallies. And I don't know what I would have done without you. Um, and so when we look back to a year of the governor standing there and resigning, but also playing a victim, uh, what do you think today? It still bothers me. I, I I feel he should have been removed from office long before he was resigned. And it, it bothers me. I feel like he just stepped out and, and got off easy. Yeah. I, I, they let him take the easy way out. Mm-hmm. He should have been removed from office. Yeah. And, and not only that, he, someone should have demanded, tell us the truth. Tell us the truth. Why would you lie about these numbers? Because in the very beginning, if he made an error and came out and said... I'm truly sorry. I, you know, I screwed up. And then I tried to cover it up. And if he just came out and said that, some of us might be able to accept that. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't want my mind to think he killed an unimaginable amount of seniors on purpose. I mean, I can't make my mind believe that. Yeah. But if he would have just owned it and apologize yeah that's something i've always said why'd you just keep hiding the numbers hiding the numbers hiding the numbers and then i feel none of our other representatives really cared because if they cared they would have investigated and looked into this and yes he is lying and you know what you're fired yeah and we didn't get any of that no no. i feel the same way Uh, did you you know if he went out there early on and said my hair was on fire i had no idea once in a lifetime pandemic we didn't know what to do with the patients i was trying to save hospital beds i'm so sorry i'll spend the rest of my career trying to right this wrong i would have accepted that right what about you dan yeah i would have absolutely accepted I would have also. it and i i'm sure i said that many times mm-hmm. when i was interviewed what we've now learned is there's a reason he wasn't owning up to it and he wasn't apologizing and it was very selfish monetary reasons his book deal and right. you know wants to be president and it, it's it's hard for me to wrap my head around why would he do that exactly he knew what would happen he told the president what would happen then he tells us what would happen and then he just does it it's it, i can't fathom right that type of callousness that type of narcissistic drive yeah he took away our family's rights yes the right to life yes yeah i i as a democrat um i had a i ended up on this side of the media because this was the side of the media that was on the right side of history um but it was difficult for me uh, because i am a democrat and it was difficult for me because the democratic party was more worried about protecting the party than I believe that they were about protecting the people. Mm. So every elected official, whether they were a Republican or a Democrat, if they didn't speak up, to me they were culpable in one sense. Because we need the truth still. We need a bipartisan investigation. We need subpoena power. We need to bring in these officials and put them under testimony and understand where the March 25th order came from. We have to understand where the blanket immunity 10 days later came on April 10th. We have to understand when he rescinded it six weeks later. We have to understand why they wrote 
the DOH Health Department wrote a July 6th report that is still factually incorrect today, and it is on their website. They still list the death tolls as 6,000-something. The Department of Health sole job is to protect the citizens of this state. Yes. Their job is not to follow and protect the executive chamber's narrative. Mm. Their job is to protect people, and that did not happen. So although we have gotten Tish James's report, uh, we've gotten four different reports. We are now going to have a fifth report, but it's just an investigation. It doesn't have subpoena power. It's going to conclude a lot of what's already been concluded. But we need something deeper, more thorough, um, and we need the Democratic Party to realize that this wasn't a Republican issue. Mm. If we're mostly a Democratic state, and I've said this over and over again, 10,000 dead senior Democrats have nothing to do with the Republicans. COVID knows no political party, but they made it very political. Mm. And Cuomo, if he succeeded at anything, was that. He divided it and he threatened his party, but he divided it within the media. And it was never a Democrat or Republican issue. And they made it political. I mean, Donna... Your parents were registered Democrats. Democrats all their lives. Right? When so, I voted, when it was my turn to vote, you know, you're 18. Mom, Dad, what do I put here? Democrat. I was yeah. a Democrat. So do they. And then later you learn, and it's okay, no, you know, you decide on your own. But it was like, no, Democrat. But the reason I bring that up is it, is it, is there, are their lives more important because they're registered Democrats? Will that make the Democrats realize that this shouldn't be about politics? But if they want to put labels on people, there were probably more Democrats dead from COVID Absolutely. than Republicans. So yeah. yes. and, and to count numbers correctly should be the most Democratic thing you can do in New York State. You know, as we're talking, we're talking about Cuomo and, and, and the past and what's happening today. But one of the driving things we've all talked about, and I just, it, it sits heavy on me, is what about the next time? We can't let, if we don't know the numbers, the mistakes, the problems, history will repeat itself. For sure. And, and we need to stop this from ever happening again in our state, and I would hope the rest of the country can learn from it. Mm. But that takes an inner strength and integrity our government from the governor on down does not have Mm -hmm. or does not want. But before we knew the the facts about the numbers, yes, we knew they were lying, but before we knew the actual facts that, yes, he was indeed lying, lying, that's all we kept saying is we need an investigation because it could never happen Happen again. again. Right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Donna, you're not optimistic, right? You don't think we're going to get the answers? I don't. Why? I don't. Because nobody seems to care. 
I mean, we try and try and try. And yes, there are a few people out there who care, but then they go to someone else and it just seems to get swept under the rug for a, a little while again. And then it'll pop in the news again and then it goes away for a little while. I don't know. I, I don't know if we'll ever see the answers. I mean, I hope we do. Of course, I want to see the answers. And just for that reason, I'm going to get old one day. What if I have to go home? I don't want to die like that. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, they, they go to these these places like for living. My mom was in assistant living, and she liked, she they played cards at night, and they were having a good time. It was, my mother had so many, they lived in a four-floor walk-up, so she wouldn't go up and down the stairs often. So now she was in this assisted living and met some of the ladies. They were playing cards. She hadn't done things like that in probably over 40 years mm. so it's like wow she's in this place and all of a sudden she's living she's going out and we're picking her up and she's getting her nails done and she's getting her hair done and we're going shoe shopping these are things she wouldn't do because she wouldn't go up and down the stairs mm -hmm. so it's like people go there to live not really to die Correct. they may need a little help but in the meantime they want to live yeah and the naysayers, the first thing they'll say is, well, you didn't care because you put them in nursing homes. Yeah. And that makes me so angry yeah. because people don't know the decisions you have to make as, you know, as our parents are getting older. And we want to make the right decisions. In the case of, you know, your parents, Donna, your mom knew that we had to do this. We were the fortunate ones. She, she could make her own decision and this is what she decided yeah. so it's like oh would you put them and oh, i didn't put her anywhere it's what she decided right she wanted to live right and you're right. right we i mean we didn't see her this happy about seeing people because living in a four-story walk-up she couldn't get out it was very difficult for her so for the few weeks that she had oh my goodness you know yeah it was a totally different life for her yeah what about you guys? Well, our father was there uh, for rehab. Yep. And there was um, an, probably a few thousand people that died that weren't, they went to the nursing home from the hospital for rehab. So that haunts us a little bit um, that he was there just for rehab. Um, but a lot of people have said to me, or to my brother, or to my family, it's amazing what you did. You know, going after the self-appointed pandemic god, Governor Cuomo. And everybody in perspective should realize that in October of 2020, he was the pandemic god. Yeah. Self-appointed. Um, and it was an uphill battle. It took a lot of strength. But I just try to say to people, if you thought that the governor did something that killed your father, you would have done the same thing I did. Hmm. Like, you just, he did something, and I have accepted that the March 25th order, say it was a blunder. It was an awful mistake. Okay. If you set that aside, that it was a mistake, and you go from that point, March 26th forward, it makes no sense to me. Tell me why. Because of the blanket immunity, because of how the book deal played a role, he was already in communications in the early of March. And then it played out all through up to July. I mean, he pushed the health department to produce a report on July 6th. On the same day the report came out, which was lies, factually by four different government reports, that same day he met with the book publisher. Two days later, they had a bidding war. 
And by July 10th, it was a $5 million book deal. So you think he lied to get that book published? To, no, I think he was going to always have a book. I think he lied to maximize the amount of money that he was going to receive. Hmm. Because, you know, if the book deal was 200000 I don't think it would have been such a big deal. But when it's in the millions, and it was $5 million, and it was driven by a false narrative report that stated that the March 25th order didn't add any deaths to the overall death toll. Right. When you send 9,000 COVID patients into nursing homes, if there's anything in perspective that we knew in March of 2020, there's only one thing we knew about the virus, is that if you had underlining conditions and you were over 65, it was deadly. That's what we knew. And yeah. that's all we have in nursing homes. So it was the one thing that Governor Cuomo can't undo is he can't undo the book deal. He can't undo the March 25th order. He can't undo that the same executive chamber staff suppress the health care data from the Department of Health is the same executive staff that helped write the book mm. and the contract. He can't undo that. Somebody just has to connect all the dots to decide if there's criminality. Do you think that's going to happen? I have a lot of faith in in Department of Justice. Um, I think there there are fact finders. Uh, that investigation is still ongoing. It is the last investigation that has potential criminality. Um, I think that the Department of Justice in the history of New York State has put many politicians from different parties in jail and very powerful politicians. Mm -hmm. The three politicians that wrote Jacob, Cuomo resigned, two went to jail. What's Jacob? Jacob is the agency that's supposed to be the ethic agency to oversee internal government. So anybody who works for the government, whether you're uh, appointed or you're elected, if you violate something, Jacob can investigate you internally. But it was a very deep state secret agency that was set up by three people that most likely all three will be convicted of something. Hmm. So it was never really there to protect us. It was there for their control. It has been disbanded and there's a new one in place, uh, which we are to see what happens with it. There should be a little more transparency. But it, it was mind-boggling to me dealing with these, these government agencies and, and meeting these high-level politicians uh, from Tom DiNapoli to who I have a lot of respect for, Tish James, who I have a lot of respect for, um, down to Brad Lander, to Jamani Williams, to a whole host of other politicians that wanted to hear our story. Um, the one thing I think eventually I'll do is get a list of all the senators and assemblymen and go to each one of their offices and go to them and say, why aren't you having a bipartisan investigation? Mm. Dan, looking at your brother, I mean, listen, he's a, he's a small business owner, uh, owns his own company, employs people. Peter is one of the smartest people I have ever met. And the fact that lawmakers look to him and the timeline that he has put together about all of this is really incredible. You can't put it into words. I, I, he, 
it's, I shouldn't say this in front of him. <laughs> he never, he's my baby brother, so it's hard. He never ceases to amaze me. His mind works in a way that most people don't. And it's very special because he puts things together. And I used to think I was good at it. it he's on another level. And then he can articulate it. Yeah. And he has the facts behind him. It's really hard to ignore somebody who sees sees things before everybody else sees them and then can create a fact-based path to lead you there that is objective rather than being partisan or biased. And so he's been able to do that. And then he's very creative. The mock funeral was very powerful. It was, it was eye candy, but the message was so strong and, and affected mm -hmm. so many people. The We Care Memorial Wall. He he focuses in, he hones in, right is right, wrong is wrong. And he doesn't care who it is. So that that view has really helped us, all of us. And it's as his big brother, even though we're not young anymore, it's it's special to see that gifting. Because it's a gift. Mm-hmm. And well, thank you, everyone. <laughs> You're very special. I mean, people don't realize you and I talk a lot. Um, and, you know, some of the tweets, a lot of the tweets that I put out there, you know, Peter is kind of the one that gives me that information. I go, oh, my gosh, you're right. Yes, I'm putting that out there. I mean, you do have an incredible mind. And Donna, you know, you've met people over this past two years that have become like family to you as well. Yes. You know, people that have lost their loved ones. Talk about that, the relationship, and then how you kind of turned your grief into something good. Yeah, I, I made friendships the same as we have. Fam like, I, I feel like they're my family. One is your cousin, Danielle. And you know, also your, your family, your whole family is our family. <laughs> and um, Dawn, who lost her mom, and, and Tessie, who lost her mom. Like, yeah, we, we've really connected we bonded and it's like and we're all different of course i'm the oldest of the group but we're all different ages and we all live in in different places but yet we just bonded and became very close friends and and just the four of well it's really the four and jennifer too who is an advocate she didn't she lost her two hands though yes and it's it's just like um all we're all so different but yet we just clicked and bonded immediately and i think we'll be just friends forever do you know what 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 i love about it it isn't just that we become friends we we trust this is deep trust yeah. we all have amongst each yeah. other which is not usual no it's no. like a friendship that we've had forever it's not yeah. like a new friendship it, it it just feels like we've had this bond forever and yet we only know each other a few years but we just i don't know there's, there's a connection our parents all just gave us some kind of it's the brooklyn oh. connection it's true but i'm of couples of orange from brooklyn so i can't but i you know just by association i feel like i'm from brooklyn <laughs> and donna tell me about the mickey and d foundation because i you know obviously i still have questions and i still want to talk about you know where we go from here but what made you think about honoring your parents and and doing things for others including the seniors that we still have alive with us today I, we were at a rally one day and at the rally there was um um an employee from a home there and we all had gone out for coffee afterwards and she was just um she just mentioned how many people have no families 
that they don't. So, so during this COVID, the people with families were, of course, very lonely, but some of them had face FaceTime and uh, video chat and all these things, and they received cards and gifts. Their family would drop off. But there were other people in there who now had no one. Like, they used to see the the visitors that came in for someone else's, you know, a mother or grandmother. They'd say hi to them and bring them something. But now they had nothing. They had nobody. And I, I, it saddened me that I didn't. I never knew this. Like, all my life, I, I didn't realize this. But Honestly, we never had any experience with a nursing home or a rehab center, so I wouldn't have known this. So then it was close to Christmas time, so that first Christmas we gathered up some things and we, we were with, with another group and we distributed to um, people, mainly to the people who had no family, who were going to receive no gifts. Mm. And then from there it just went on. I think I, I asked them, the next holiday was Valentine's Day, and I asked them, what do you want to do? And they... Um, they were doing other things, so they they didn't want to do that. So I was like, you know what? I talked to my daughter, and, and we did something. I reached out to some friends and family, and they were like, yeah, do it. So we made packages, and we started there. And then it was St. Patty's Day. And then by Easter, I'm like, okay, this is a thing because so many people want to help me and donate things and help me make baskets and do everything. It, it feels like this is a thing that probably somebody could have worked on years ago because so many people want to help. You just need somebody to execute it. Mm. So now I just, I collect things all throughout the year. Every holiday, we do something for somebody. We go to, to um, Long Island. We go to Staten Island. We go to Brooklyn and Queens. We're like all over the place, New Jersey. And every holiday, we make sure people get some kind of treat. Tell me about some of the pictures that you get of the residents. They're they're amazing. They love stuffed animals. So when I get the pictures of them holding the stuffed animals, it just makes your heart. It just it makes your heart full cuz you see they they they're genuinely happy by getting this stuffed animal. It's it's fantastic. I love it. It is. It's so nice. They had haircuts. We did haircuts for gentlemen um, up at a home upstate, not this Father's Day, the Father's Day before, but it was the first haircut from lockdown. Wow. And the pictures of them smiling, they got their shaves and haircuts. They were fantastic. Mm. They were fantastic. I love getting the pictures. And we don't realize that, too that something as simple as a stuffed animal or a puzzle book or getting a haircut for them is is really important it's somebody thinking about you yes right yeah i don't need i don't need big grand gifts i just it's just like you say the puzzle book the colored um the adult coloring books and the colored pencils these are things they like the ladies like lipstick, and they're even asking for toilet paper now, which makes me sad. But the oh. residents are asking for toilet paper, so we'll have to uh, start sending some toilet paper. How can people help? They can um, go to the website. It is the makingindieoperationgiftsforseniors.org. Um, um, they could reach me by email. It's Donna Johnson at operationgiftsforseniors.org. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. You could um, reach out if you can't find us. You can um, social media it to Janice, and she'll tag us right it. along. Absolutely. <laughs> Dan, you, to me, are like David and Goliath because you decided by yourself to look, to try and, you know, find a lawyer for a lawsuit. Yes, yes. Tell I... me about that. So... 
this this has been such an injustice and we've been lied to so many times by our politicians um, that if we want justice it seems there's only one way and that's in the court system yeah right now i can't rely on the governor is going to do something it's been forever and nothing the department of health the politicians will that happen we hope so so rather than hope for justice for our family members again over 15,000 of our seniors our most vulnerable and then that translates to over 100,000 of us grieving family members left to try to pick up the pieces I I went to federal court and did it pro se so I represent myself and it's a class action suit um, to try to get justice for our family members. They were deprived purposefully, which our timeline shows, the governor's own words and all those reports, and especially Tom DiNapoli, our comptroller's audit, show that they lied. And they lied for reasons that should never have happened to profit personally. So we went to federal court and we're in federal court right now we're hoping and working with a number of lawyers to find somebody who is willing to come alongside us. We need a lawyer now at this point, especially since we want to do it as a class action. Why a class action? Because it's not about my daddy. But against who? Against the governor, um, the former head of the DOH, Zucker, and New York State, mm-hmm. and Melissa DeRosa, his chief of staff. Right. She was coordinating all this. So it's it's a big deal, but we're looking for partners, lawyers in New York State that can come alongside us, that, that see the injustice and see that there is a way forward and that we could affect real change for the state, for the future, and affect change and try to give people some sense of closure. There are a lot of people like us. Uh, it's over 100,000. Mm-hmm. Who, who gave you the strength to do that? <laughs> and I would like to say he did it on his own, and I'm very proud of him. It is the one thing that I had nothing to do with. <laughs> and he did it tenaciously, quietly, and he went and served the papers. Wow. And I am very proud of you, Danny, for Aww. that. That I had nothing to do with it. Danny, where... I mean, listen, it truly is a David and Goliath battle. Yes. You alone are doing this. That's yes. what pro se is. Yes, it's, it's, it's me standing for, for what's right. And it, it's interesting. It took me a long time to get comfortable doing this. And I've, I've prayed about it. I've talked to a lot of people. I've done as much research as I humanly can do. And it it got it was it just became so real in my heart that somebody has to stand up and try mm. right the law is clear the 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 negligence is so clear it's it been proven just amongst <laughs> our own state all these investigations so it's it's literally somebody who who like us all of us at this table say we have to do something. We have a chance. We have a real live case that we just want somebody to come alongside us, a lawyer in New York State, 
to help us work through this. Why do you think it's been difficult? (sighs) You want to know the worst part? And and you asked the right question. Too many lawyers don't want to sue the state because they do so much business with the state. Or they do so much business with the Democratic Party. Yes. They'll take on a business. Oh, asbestos and, and terrible. I have friends that have been terribly affected by it. That's the one everybody knows, asbestos, because it's on TV all the time. So everybody will do that. But going against a state which also pays you is very difficult. So that that's part of it. Others know it's hard, and they're, they're, they just don't want hard. They want easy. What's easy? Hmm. Suing the nursing homes and the hospitals. Exactly. That's which a, which yeah. we refuse to. Right. 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 And... Yeah. yeah, that's that's sorry. Thank you, Peter. And I'm thinking through because that's easy. They're they're the the gullible target. They were forced. So there were some bad actors, I should say that up front, and and they should be in trouble, period. Yeah. But there were so many that weren't bad actors. The state came in and forced all these nursing homes to admit those patients. They did not want to. And they were forced. The state knew what they were doing. The governor knew what he was doing. He was warned many times. Didn't care. Yeah. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Where does that March 25th order happen, Peter? I mean, that's kind of the Pandora's box, right? If we ever got to the bottom, and that's what a lawsuit can do, by the way, is open up... Uh, an avenue for discovery yes. to get people on the stand who knew where that order came from. I originally thought that the <clears> – <throat> and I was – with all my math and figuring out and predictions, I was wrong with the March 25th order. I truly believe that it came out of the Department of Health and it was a mistake. And then Governor Cuomo just doubled down on it mm-hmm. to protect his people because yeah. that's what he did. So I foiled the DOH to get all documents related to the March 25th order. And it came back that there really are none because it came out of the executive chamber. Tell me what FOIL is. Uh, FOIL is a freedom of information um, where you can, anything the state or city does, uh, you can request communications. So any law or discussions or by by name, um, you can request it from an agency. They make it a little more difficult because you have to kind of know the person you just can't blanketly ask DOH that has 500 employees. You have to narrow it down a little bit, but it's a useful tool for citizens. And I hired a very professional uh, FOIL uh, lawyer, and we have uh, by next month one of the FOILs is with you and your name, uh, which I believe is we FOIL the Arbini name, the Bach funeral, the Dean name. Uh, weather bitch, anything that came out in the newspaper is how they addressed you. And it came back that we found a few pages of our names, 
but not one of yours, which which was unbelievable. Uh, right. It's not believable that your name in any form was not mentioned in the executive chamber. Yeah. Who's hiding that? So we appealed it, and we got a partial win on the appeal, and by next month, we're supposed to get an answer. We're going to see weather bitch somewhere. <laughs> well, we're going to see something. Um, but I want to just say about the funniest thing that ever happened talking to a politician. We okay. had Tish James in my father's house. And she asked if we had any lawsuits mm-hmm. and current lawsuits or anything like that. And I said, well, our answer was, my answer was, we don't uh, believe in suing the nursing home. We support our nursing home. Uh, but, we, but we do feel that the state is culpable. Yeah. And that if we are going to sue, it's going to be the state. And my brother Danny responded, and you'll defend that lawsuit. To and it Tish was, James. To Tish James. And it was kind of funny. We all kind of like giggled because I was like, that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> like we haven't even started it. We were in the, he was in the process of thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But he, we told, it was just a funny exchange. Like It should be mentioned that you have had some of these really big, important lawmakers in your father's home. You have invited people to come on both sides of the aisle. That's correct. Um, we've met, uh, last notably, was uh, Lee Zeldin came. Um, they all spent between an hour and a half to three hours, depending upon what we were discussing. Uh, Lee Zeldin was um, a very nice gentleman to talk to. He completely understands the problem. And he said to me one of the nicest things I think that anybody has ever said. He gave me an idea of what we should do, and he said, Go back to the Hokul people. He goes, go back. You're talking to them. Continue to talk to them and then tell them this. Mm. And I thought that was so unpartisan. It didn't matter to him who fixes it at that point. He knew I had a part to play, and he energized me to go back to the Hokul people, which I did, um, but a lot based on that he didn't authorize it, but he gave me the idea that it's okay. You should go back. Hmm. By land, by sea, by air, we should figure this out. So I went back and I, I was involved in giving a speech um, in front of Hokel, where she spoke after I spoke. And that's in March when she came out and said a week later, five days later, after I addressed her and with nursing homes, she said that she was going to include that in her review. And then months later, everybody was pounding that she said this in March, but very few people know that I addressed her personally that same week about nursing homes. And her answer to me was, the truth will come out. Hmm. And I'm still waiting. Yeah. Are you optimistic? I'm going to ask everyone here. Peter, are you optimistic we're going to have answers? I think we are, but not on our time frame. Hmm. I thought we would have had an investigation two years ago. It's recessing. I think maybe next year, not the investigation that they're doing the look back. I'm talking about a bipartisan investigation with subpoena power. But I do have a lot of faith in the DOJ. I do think there's criminality. And um, I, I, I will just go by their past history of not being partisan in New York and convicting politicians. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hopeful that there's enough there. Do you think she's do you think she knows more than she's saying? Do you think that she was part of it somehow? I honestly do not believe so. She was totally 
I went to the second floor and I did a tour and I went to Governor Cuomo's old office, which is now a conference room. Um, the lieutenant Danny is giving like a big thumbs up. The lieutenant, yeah, I had to make sure he wasn't there anymore. <laughs> and that was access given by Hochul's people, yeah. which were up to a point, up to my brother's lawsuit, were very helpful. Yeah. But once he filed his lawsuit, they stopped communicating with me mm. because of the lawsuit against Governor Cuomo. Didn't make any sense to me. That's politics. I don't have a political issue. And if he, I'm not on the lawsuit. It's my brother. Makes no sense. But I went to the lieutenant governor's uh, office, which is not even really attached to the second floor. Mm -hmm. It's a completely different wing. It doesn't have any security. It's rudimentary. And he did not communicate with her. Um, should she have spoke up sooner? She's culpable in that sense. Okay. She's culpable. Should she have fired Zucker day one? Absolutely. Fired. Yeah. Fired not let him resign three months later. She's culpable because on the July 6th report is still up there up there with all the wrong data. If we all collectively should work towards anything, was the Department of Health produced a false public health report during a health crisis, we should have them revise it. Yeah. Because we paid for it already. Mm -hmm. We knew that it followed the, it was a political report, not a public health report. We should get them to revise it because then that will give us a lot of the answers of how many people died. Dan, what do you think? I've, I, I'm hopeful we're going to get there. I, I love it, not on our timeline. And I mean, just think about it. I thought this would have been done six months ago when we met with uh, the governor and she was, I mean, she got it. There's no doubt our governor gets it. She doesn't have the political will to do this, or she doesn't have the desire. She's skirting around the issue time and time again from what I see. So I'm not hopeful mm. that we're going to get anything through our governor right now. I'd love it. We've given them everything. We've shared everything with them. My brother has shared everything. So it's, it's they know as much as we're talking about now. And that's the least they know. So... There's a, I'm sure there's a lot of political pressure from the Democratic Party. We're a one-party state, unfortunately. There's no checks and balances pushing against us. So that's why I love you know the federal court system and going that way with our case to try to break this open, force people to be to do what they're supposed to do their jobs. And you've gotten some you know encouragement in that area, yes. right? That where you maybe never thought you would get encouragement, that there are people kind of rooting for you to do this. It, it, I file the case, and much to my surprise, I can't tell you how many people must watch filings that literally spend all day looking at whatever people file, because all of a sudden there were a number of reporters but there were a number of people that then started contacting me, recontacting me. Every time we do something, people see, and I'm still getting calls. I got another one, what, last week? Mm. I, Facebook, LinkedIn, they'll write me letters. It's, it's amazing. And, you know, a mother, a, a wife of a husband who they lost, you know, he, she lost her husband. Or, you know, who brought their mother in and couldn't get them out? Um... 
through a nursing home and it just broke my heart and it was amazing when I talked to them how many don't know any of these facts hmm. they're like oh it's the nursing home I'm like Wait, did you know and then you then you they're like oh, really and one thing that's lost that we have it's not lost we haven't said it is five days I think it was after the March 25th order New York City had 3,000 new beds from the Javits Center the Army Corps Corps of Engineers and the USS Comfort. And they weren't used because the governor wouldn't use them. It wasn't the federal government. It was our own state. And see, if we had subpoena power, we would find out why. Correct. Exactly. Donna. Correct. Also, with the subpoena power, we need to speak to the administrators in, in the homes. Yes. In the facilities. They know they know things. They can't talk. And But I know when I, when I go to these places and I talk to them, I know they want to tell me things. And they'll say little things, but nothing we could use or, or go on. But even like um, the first week of COVID at my dad's place, it was right down the block from me. They were wearing garbage bags. Yeah. So how could I blame them then when they didn't even have the proper equipment to take care of all these people they were wearing garbage bags people forget how brutal it was and that that was the same time in our nursing home and our local precinct had no ppe my brother who had foresight and had ppe because he works with consumers and he goes into people's houses gave away thousands of pieces of ppe at a huge cost to the nursing home to the local precinct to try to protect yeah. people, yep. to try to help through a very rough time. People forget garbage. I'm so right. glad you brought that but up. Like, the, the, like you said, the families, they, they don't know any of this. If it wasn't for the platform that Fox News gave you to bring this story out, the people would know even less. Yes. Because I'll talk to people and they'll be like, well, how could you blame the governor? To this day, they're like, how could you blame the government? How could you you, you blame the system? And it's like, wow. don't you just read something else? Or, you know, you're just following because you're not watching one news. It's, it's, it's still true. You know, you may not like this station, but it's still, it's still truth. Just do your own investigation. Critical thinking. Right. Do yes. you think that without the women that went after him, that the brave women that talked about his abuse, I mean... I sometimes think I think he would still be in power, right? Um, I do. I probably one of the biggest compliments that I think our group, and I won't say me, but I'll say our group and our movement was um, from the mock funeral on, was we dented Governor Cuomo, we tarnished him. He came off as a kind of like a liar, a bully, and I the biggest compliment that I've received from the sexual harassment people is that we gave them the strength to come mm. forward like so i i take that to heart right and yes that we gave them an opportunity that he's vulnerable right i mean early on i remember when lindsey boylan came out in december and we followed each other on social media and i had started talking about the nursing home stuff in mark uh sorry may may of 2020 and i we knew each other, right? She knew me, and and I think we needed each other because it's not just about the nursing homes and the abuse that he had over, um, you know, the care of our parents and our grandparents. He was abusive in other ways, 
right? It's Thre- threatening and threatening. Ron Kim, who, by the way, is a wonderful lawmaker, you know, yes. um, he really, I think, stepped out of the party that he is part of and said, I have to do the right thing. You know, it was like a crossroad kind of thing. Like, do I? And he, he admits at the beginning, he will, he believed the governor. He believed the system. Uh, but then when he started to see the cracks, he was like, no, I have to step away, even though my party hates me, and tell the truth. It's about right or wrong. It's not about Democrat or Republican. So I, I do believe we, we work together. We, this was just an, a massive abuse of power and ego um, that you know, had to be in check. So what do you think, Donna? Do you think we're going to get answers? Be honest, I know. I don't. You don't. I don't. I hope to. I hope in my lifetime we do. But I don't. I don't think, I mean, unless with, I don't know. Yeah. The election's coming up. Maybe somebody will come in and, and care. I just think they don't care. I think I think they just laugh at us. We go on and we're on social media and we're doing all this stuff. And they're just sitting back in their offices, like shaking their heads and laughing at us. But the fact that he's gone for now is a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. Yeah. It is a big deal. I just wish Hochul would have come in and, and showed us she really cared. And you could you could go to a meeting and see her and say, no, she did. She was good and she cared. Show me you care. Right. And right now you're not showing me anything. Yeah. So Actions. until I see Actions. right. Until I see people actually showing us they care by doing this investigation, I I can't. I don't I don't think we're gonna get the answers we want. Mm-hmm. But people, I try to remind people um, about Governor Cuomo, and I say he went from motorcades to Uber. <clears throat> He's sleeping on people's couches. <laughs> he went from a chef and a, a person who never had opened a door, who had a he had a full time forty state trooper detail. Never mind all the you couldn't get close to him to where now he drives his own vehicle. We've come a long way. Yeah. And then at some point, both Cuomo's were off the air. And well, the... Well, and I, I think, well, let's talk about Chris. I would, if he's on a podcast, and I would like him to interview us. Hmm. I would like Chris Dan, Cuomo. Dan, would you do that? I would absolutely. I okay. would like Chris Cuomo to interview us. I would not... No, actually, I would come to support you guys in my weather bitch T-shirt. Yes. (laughs) So for the listeners that don't understand that whole thing, uh, I was given some pretty good information that um, when I was, you know, on Fox News and the other outlets that would allow me to come on and talk about Donna's parents and what happened in nursing homes, there was... um, dialogue or texts between Chris Cuomo and probably Ms. Melissa DeRosa. I'm not sure whom. And they were they were bad-mouthing me. What can we do about this person? And there was a weather bitch in there somehow. And of course, I believe they were probably doing oppo research on me and my family and trying to find out about my, my husband and his career and family because that's what they do, right? They're bullies. Um, so that's one of the foils that we have in process right now, because I want to see that. Te- I want to see those texts. 
And what do we feel about that? Are we okay with Chris Cuomo, who admittedly said he was helping his brother through this whole thing and using the platform of CNN to have his brother on? I will say, I'm so glad that there was the Q-tip skit, because that's really what broke the camel's back for me, is watching these two (coughs) clowns on CNN when people are dying and there's body bags being piled up outside of nursing homes and in storage trucks, and they're joking around who their, their mom's favorite son was. That's what got me the most. That's what made me so angry. So you know what? I'm glad that that happened. Um, but I don't know. You know, I go back and forth that so does Chris deserve, you know, to be fired and never work again? <sighs> I would say that most people who have interviewed him have missed the real subject. The subject isn't that he was helping his brother because – I completely understand helping your brother, and I support that he could communicate 24 hours a day, seven days a week with his brother. He could even go and communicate with his brother's lawyer. But when he stepped into the executive chamber and he dealt with the people that were harassing and leaking and reprising the sexual harassment victims, Mm That is where he stepped over the line. Hmm. He stopped advising his brother, and he was advising his advisors who were part of the cover-up, who were part of the problem. Hmm. And that is where he made his mistake. So, But he still says, I'm very proud that I helped my brother. I will never change that. And I agree with that statement until he discussed this with his advisors. Hmm. Then he passed the line of helping his brother. And I, I have not seen a reporter or somebody really ask him that. That is something he has to regret. Yeah. But no one's asked him that question. Well, Chris Cuomo, if you listen to the Janice Dean podcast, the weather bitch, the Arbini brothers would like to come on your show. Yes. <laughs> Donna, would you go on the Chris Cuomo show? I would because I think, yes, I would. You would? Yeah. I would. You're in the minority, Janice. I would. I don't think he would ever ask me. No, I don't think he would ask you, and that's why I would go. Because okay. I don't think he would ask you, so I would go for... for yeah. For, uh, I would. Because I can understand you helping your brother. I get it. I totally understand. And did he... But did he... Did he break a law? What, didn't he also try to get inside information... If yes, I remember, he from did. His, from his employer, the other reporters. That, to me, has got to be close. Um, it's unethical. But if he would have done that and just communicated with his brother, you can almost forgive it. But again, he went to the chamber, his staff, <clears throat> and tried to come up with strategies. That is no longer helping your brother. I'm a pretty forgiving person. And if Chris Cuomo invited you guys and you, Donna, to come on his show, I, th- I think I would forgive him. I think I would. Would you forgive Andrew Cuomo? If, so I'd have to, but it'd have to be real repentance. And one day, and I've said this for a while, one day he's going to get old, older, and he's going to be alone. And the crushing weight of all those people that died her, you, needlessly specifically because of him is going to is going to 
destroy him. And I don't wish that on anybody, even him. Mm. So one day that's going to happen. There's no way it's not. So if there was true repentance, absolutely. But true repentance and him? Don't go together, I don't think. Peter. We have had a thousand people ask us, has Governor Cuomo called you? Because one of the first things we said is we wanted an apology from the governor. When my brother was on CNN in April, May. May, May of 2020. And we went on, documented that we wanted him to call me. We invited him to our father's house. Would I uh, uh, forgive him? I'm not going to say I would or I wouldn't, but I would say is that he's still invited to my father's house, and he better be ready to answer some really difficult questions. Mm. This is not going to be a show. The timeline is going to be on the table, and we're going to go down it based on his answers. But people ask me, did he ever call? And I say, will Trump ever admit he lost the election fairly? <laughs> Governor Cuomo can't apologize. It's, it's not in their DNA right. when they're narcissistic. They actually believe that they're the victims. They're the victims. And yes. They, so can he apologize? No. It's yeah. not possible. So I can't answer a question that I know it's something that he can't mathematically do within his personality makeup. Don I I couldn't forgive either one of them. Wow. I I just um Chris Cuomo going back to just as a a news, someone in, in the news media is supposed to give the news when all these things came out that they were getting the special treatment and and the family was getting the COVID, the COVID test and the other people weren't. And they were getting results immediately because they had um, and nursing troopers homes pick couldn't. up tests and go back. And then people who were dying and who really needed this test couldn't. And he, he uh, I don't know if he ever denied it. I never watched him, so I don't know. But... It was never a story like this is okay. No, this isn't okay. Yeah. So I, I don't think I could ever forgive him. What I would like to know from him is just the truth. Tell us the truth. Yeah. Why did you never why did you never cover the truth? Is what I'd like to know. Yeah. And and, and that in turn gives us the answer to why so many thousands of these families don't know what we know. And it's very easy to do your due diligence and, and find it, but they just you know, they don't. They trust who they watch on TV, yeah. no matter who it is. That's Whoever, whatever station somebody watches, that's who they trust. If Chris Cuomo has you guys on his podcast or his new program on News Nation, you know there might there might be a road. Mm-hmm. There might be a path. That would be uh, uh, contradictory to their personalities. Yeah, uh, because by having us on the show, he's going to be kind of admitting that there was a mistake mm. and that he has to address it because he has never addressed Chris Cuomo has never addressed anything about the nursing home scandal correct hasn't the suppression of the healthcare data or the book deal how it all ties into he hasn't addressed it at all and he would have to yeah um, <clears throat> I would be very surprised if he invited us and this is our first podcast uh, thank you, Janice. Of course. Um, we've done a lot of media. Uh, you know, when it was hot, uh, it was all new to us. Um, but ultimately, we had three goals. We wanted an apology from the governor we never got. We wanted the true death toll because to today, our father's death still does not count. And we wanted a bipartisan investigation. That was our goal two years ago. And those three things still exist. Yeah. 
I handed my father's death certificate to Tish James. I handed it to Tom DiNapoli. I handed it to Hochul. I still don't know if his death counted. You can't get any higher than that. Yeah. Well, to be continued. Um, and I thank you all for coming in today. Uh, I love you all. And together, I think we've done something already. And we're going to keep going. Yes. Yes. We're moving forward. We have to. And Danny, good luck. And if I can do anything you know, I'm going to help you. Thank you very much. Okay. God bless you all. Thank you. I Thank think you. our parents are looking down and they're smiling. Oh, absolutely. 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 Our Brooklyn parents. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, I love you guys. Thank you. Love Thank you, you guys. so much. Thank you to all of my listeners for tuning in to the Janice Dean Podcast. If you have someone you want to nominate for the Dean's List, please let me know at Janice Dean on Twitter or Janice Dean FNC on Instagram. Please subscribe, rate, and review to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at foxnewspodcast.com. And don't forget to spread the sunshine. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.